Well, uh, it's been quite a week. If, if you were here on Thursday night, uh, we had a, a wonderful prayer and meditation time. The worship just laid me out on the floor down there, and I never got up. Poor old Mark Hilvagian was having to lead the meeting, and, and I was no use to him whatsoever. I was laid out on the floor, and it was just glorious. Uh, and then on Friday, we had a meditation here, a very different kind of thing that we do. And, and boy, that was poignant and powerful and heart-stopping and, and a very rich experience. And then this morning, we come together and, and we've had baptisms. And, and now we get to share God's word and this, this time together. So, so I'm already excited and I'm already thrilled that you're here to share this day with us. So let's just remind us of the story so far. That's what they say, isn't it? The story so far. And we've got a little video clip that uh, we, we found which we thought might help, just help us to, to focus and get centered. Thank you, Matt. Last Sunday, I read the story of Jesus coming into Jerusalem, and it was a, a time of great celebration. And of course, if you know the story, you'll know that you know, people took, literally did cut down branches, and, and they heralded Jesus coming into the city as, as the great Messiah deliverer. In fact, his enemies on that day said, oh my gosh, Look, the whole world has gone over to him now. They were in despair, or so it seemed. But then things took a strange turn of events. And of course, we find ourselves considering Jesus' betrayal by one of his inner circle on the Thursday. And then, of course, on Friday, we read about how Jesus was crucified. And it seemed like an absolute train wreck of a story. The very worst possible thing seemed to have happened. And it might have left his support, excuse me, his supporters and, and family wondering, how on earth could this have happened? How did it turn around like this? And yet, of course, we understand now, and isn't 2020 vision, hindsight vision, a wonderful thing? We understand now that actually this was all part of God's plan. In fact, he always intended that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, one who is God and man, should indeed go to the cross and be crucified. Not because of anything that he has done, but because in that act, he was substituting himself. Substituting himself for you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and me. You see, there's this great chasm between us and God. We're made in the image of God. We have the capacity for great goodness, great potential, and yet we seem to be hindered by our own selfishness. We seem to be hindered by that which, which we, we, we feel drawn to. We want to walk in the light. We want to be holy, righteous, admirable. We want the world to know the very best version of us. But we all seem to get drawn back to the dark side, if you like. And yes, we visit there from time to time. Maybe we even spend most of our time in this place. But there is that capacity within us to be drawn to the dark side, the, the worst of us. And it's sometimes just a word. Sometimes it's a, a little white lie. Sometimes it's a dark lie. Sometimes it's a deep deceit. Sometimes it's just a carelessness. Sometimes it's just a careless word that does the damage. The Bible calls all of that a much more beside sin. That's what is the very nature, the very essence of this chasm between us and God. And God thought 
They cannot rescue themselves. You cannot save yourselves. And he said, I will come as a rescuer. So he sent his one and only begotten son to die upon that cross. And in so doing, Jesus, the perfect lamb of God, that's how the Bible likes to describe him, bears upon himself our imperfections, our sins. The bill is paid. It's as if you're, you know, can I use the illustration? Fliss and I, we, we, we had our wedding anniversary meal this week and, you know, uh, I paid the bill, but it's as if you're in a fine restaurant and somebody comes in and, and just at the very last minute picks up the bill and says, I'll pay for that. So your life of sin, those errors, those mistakes, those, those concerns, those regrets, that shame, God says, I'll pay for that. Give that to me. And we walk scot-free. We walk out of darkness into light. We, like Lazarus, who was bound up in the tomb, come out of darkness into God's glorious light. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Jesus spoke about this many times, but as I read in the scriptures just before I started the talk or got into the flow of it, you know, the, 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 the disciples miss it, missed it. And why wouldn't they? Because nobody had ever risen from the dead before then. There was just no framework for understanding. So when Jesus said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to be persecuted, I'm going to be tortured, I'm going to be crucified, and then I'm three days later, I'm going to rest on the dead, they just went, yeah, 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 Jesus is on that funny thing again. I, I wish he wouldn't do that. I find it really disturbing. You know, they just didn't, didn't get it. And of course they wouldn't get it. It was only when it happened that they suddenly, suddenly they were all geniuses. It took a little time, I must admit, but suddenly, oh yes, Jesus is risen from the dead, of course. It's easy to be a genius after the event. But Jesus foretold this catastrophic event, the triumphal entry which ends in tears big time on the cross of Calvary. I said earlier on at the end of the worship time that if we just had that body of teaching, Jesus, of course, never wrote a book himself. It was his followers, his first disciples that wrote what we call the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It was they who made that account, gave that testimony. But in that, we have the most extraordinary body of teaching. If Jesus had just left the Ten Commandments, what a body of teaching. If Jesus had just left the Lord's Prayer, what a body of teaching. If Jesus had just left the Sermon on the Mount, what a body of teaching. You could start a world religion just on that teaching. And of course, some world religions are based on a block of a body of teaching. Jesus could have done that, and there would still have been Christians meeting today or another day celebrating the Lord Jesus as the great teacher. One of those things that Jesus said, which was a foretelling of what was to come, was, was John chapter 12, verse 24. Matt, if we can just throw that up, that up on the screen. Thank you. Very truly, Jesus said. It's always interesting when I'm reading through the Bible when Jesus says, truly, truly, or I'm telling you the truth. Now, Jesus always spoke the truth. But when he says, very truly, something like that, it's like, listen up. Pay attention. You know, if you're going to catch anything, catch this. My staff will tell you that very often, you know, I've got the gift of the gab, but very often when we're in a staff meeting or something, I'll say, you know, if you remember one thing, remember this. Isn't that right, Rich? If you remember one thing, remember this. 
I hope I make sense most of the time, but there are certain things that I really want people to catch. Jesus really wanted us to catch this, although at the time, it probably didn't make a whole lot of sense, but with hindsight, as we look back and we try and live out the life of Jesus, it makes sense. John 12, 24, very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Well, that agricultural society knew that. In fact, if you've got a bit of a garden and if you've, you know, you've, you've taken your kids out to plant the, in the allotment or if they've come back from school with, with a bean and with the side of a jar and a bit of blot, blotting paper, you will know that actually the fruit of the plant, which is the seed or the nut or whatever, the fruit of the plant needs to all but die and in some cases apparently die in effect. And it's in the dying then that the life is cracked open. You know, our, our Emma, our dear sort of communications officer, she showed me a number of images and there's this, this, that looks like a walnut to me. Does that look like a walnut to you? Yeah. I loved it because it was like it had cracked open. It's like the tomb cracking open and this shoot is coming out. And I said, that's the one. Let's use that one. Because as the walnut is kind of rotting down and, and being destroyed, actually light comes out of it. Life comes out of it. This is a fundamental principle that God has sown into creation to teach us and to instruct us. It is as we give ourselves away that we find ourselves. It is as we pour ourselves out that we are filled up. And all of this was, was, it, was brought together in the one and supreme example of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, dying on the cross. He gave himself, his friends and followers, they scattered. His mother and a few other women, bless their hearts, they hung behind. And John the Apostle, he hung behind too. But by and large, all those crowds that had taken down those palms and heralded his arrival in the city the few days previously, they were nowhere to be seen. Or if they were there, they were shouting, Crucify! And so as, as, as Christ gave up his life, as he said on the cross, it is finished, what was he saying? I'm done for, that's the end of me, goodbye, have a nice day, whatever. No, it is finished. It means what he had set out to do was accomplished. What the Father had asked him to do was to bear the sins of the world. It is finished. That's not despair. That's victory, friends. That's victory. That's Jesus Christ, the Son of God, saying, It is finished. In my death, I set others free. Great teaching. If we just had the body of teaching... If it was just a model, uh, do as you would be done by kind of thing, we could live by that. We could have a world religion based on that. The other thing I said uh, at the end of the worship, you know, you know we enjoy, we, are mar we marvel, we are amazed by the power of God. The church of Jesus Christ is rediscovering this. It's a shame we let it go in the first place, but we're rediscovering that God's power is available for us. Week by week, we hear you know, people come forward for prayer, and week by week, People are healed. They're happening, it's happening so often now, uh, we've asked the ministry team just to fill in little forms and we're gonna try and log it every month and put it on the website. How many people we prayed for? How many people got blessed? How many people got healed? It is, it's, it's stunning. In one sense, we don't make a big thing of it, but it is absolutely stunning. It's almost like normal Christianity for us. And so it should be. 
You know, Flissy and I, we just moved house a week ago, and literally two days before we were about to move, we were sort of running around, tidying up, taking stuff the tip, you know, packing stuff, you know, as you do, as you do, as you do. And I see a car pull up in front of my house, and I recognize it's my neighbor's house. And then his, my, my neighbor, from, he's a Hindu, very devout Hindu man, Bob gets out. And actually, I'd had a conversation with Bob a few weeks previously. I'd met Bob while I was out washing my car, and he just walked by and said, how are you, Bob? And straight away, he didn't say, uh, fine, or how are you doing? And nice to see you, Chris. He, the first thing he said was, I've got stomach cancer, I've just been told. Oh my gosh, that's never good news. I've got stomach cancer, I've just been told. That was the first thing he said to me. And he and his wife, they'd just, they'd just come from the hospital, and they were walking back, they caught the bus, they were walking past my house. So I said to Bob in that moment, I said, and I had no faith whatsoever, you know, I hadn't sort of whipped myself up into some religious frenzy, I was just washing the car, I wasn't ready for this, but I just, I cannot let Bob go by without me praying for him. And I said, can I just pray for your healing, Bob? And he kind of looked at me and he's really downcast, stooped shoulders, head hanging low, and I said, can I just pray for you? We were in the street, I literally standing in the street, a little quiet sort of cul-de-sac type of thing we used to live in. One even on the pavement, we're in the street, and he looks slightly embarrassed, but you know, he's a desperate man. He's got stomach cancer. And he said, sure, whatever. So I, I just put my hand on his shoulder. I didn't do a great big religious thing. There wasn't time to sort of get the incense out and put my robes on and sort of beautify myself or think of a verse of scripture it was literally just, there I was raggy washing the car and I put my hand on his shoulder and I said worse the effect I said Lord God draw close to my neighbor Bob he really needs you and in Jesus name I curse the cancer and in Jesus name heal Bob and fill him with your Holy Spirit Lord well, with that he started getting a bit awkward a little bit you know it's a bit sort of strange you know weird in the street, you know, I got a chamois leather in one hand and I'm praying with the other, you know. He kind of looks up and he says, thank, thank you, Chris, thank you. He was genuinely grateful, but he was in the depths of, depths of despair. So he, he sets off and Babta, his wife, looks at me and she's, she's teared up, she's weeping, shaking her head and she looks at me and they walk off. And that, I didn't see them for a couple of weeks or a few weeks. We're packing the house. I see my neighbor's car pull up in front of my house, not unusually to park in front of the house. I see Bob get out. I thought, I haven't seen Bob for a while, and I've been praying for him. I had remembered to pray for him. And he, and he came, he got out the car, and he came and he knocked on my front door. He didn't even go to his house. He came and knocked on my front door. These are devout Hindus. They have a temple, they have a, they have a room devoted to uh, uh, their Hindu gods, and they have a, a, a little shrine in the, in the hallway. He knocked on my door. And I go to him, I say, hi, Bob, how are you doing? He said, I've just come, been let out of hospital. He said, there is no cancer left in my body. There is no cancer left in my body. He said, they took something of my stomach away, but they could find no secondary, no evidence of cancer whatsoever. They are, they are excited about me. They don't know what to make of it. They are so excited about it that, they've, that the consultant has said that we should not, they're not going to give me chemotherapy, radiotherapy, any kind of drug therapy. There is no evidence of any cancer in their body. They, they are a little bit puzzled about it. Yeah. I said, well, I was amazed because I thought, what was it? Was it that I had a chamois leather in my hand? What can I do to do that again? You know, I want to do that one again. Anyway, a day or so later, Fliss went round there. It actually gets a little bit weirder than that, yeah. I mean, that was good, but it's, it's extraordinary. A day later, 
So this wanted I just pop round and say, as we did with a number of our neighbours, just say goodbye and all the rest of it. And she popped round to take something for them that we'd borrowed or had of theirs. And as soon as she showed up at the doorstep, they invited her in. She, she just wanted to drop the thing off. You know, we were busy, like really busy. But of course, they have to come here in and they want to make her a cup of tea and all this kind of thing. They sit her down and Bob tells the whole story all over again, although Fliss has heard it. He's so excited and he looks well and he's telling Fliss all of this. And then he told her something else. And maybe it was you. Maybe it was you or you. But while he was in hospital, a Christian who was in the hospital came to his bedside and said, can I pray for you? And Bob told him, I was having this operation you know, for stomach cancer. And he said, I have been prayed for. My neighbor prayed for me. He said, well, I, this person, this dear person, and maybe it was you. He said, let me pray for you as well. And so this dear Christian prayed for him. And do you know what? At that very moment, his smartphone lit up. And on it was a picture of Jesus. It was weird. And in fact, they kept the picture and they showed it you, didn't they, Fliss? The picture of Jesus. And what they kept saying to both myself and to Fliss was, you prayed to your Jesus and he healed me. You prayed to your Jesus and he healed me. You see, if we just had the teachings of Jesus, it would be wonderful. We could start a world religion on that. But it isn't just words, it's power too. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. But that, even that is not the end of the story because on the third day, Jesus rose again from the dead. Jesus hasn't just conquered sin. He's won life for us. You see, if you're perfect in God's eyes, there's no reason why you shouldn't live forever in, in eternal uh, harmony with him. It's only the sin that messes up our lives. And whether you're a follower of Jesus yet or not, you know how sin has, and let me call it sin, as sin has messed up your life. You know the broken relationships and the misunderstandings and the conflict at work and all this kind of stuff that we all experience from time to time. Doesn't matter how successful you are in the world, there are bad hair days, if I can put it like that. Days that do not work go according to plan. Sometimes you sin against others, sometimes others sin against you. You're minding your own business and then suddenly somebody walks into your life or you get a letter from someone or you get a phone call or an email which completely ruins your day and potentially your life too. You know the ravages of sin. We live in that. It's all around. But Jesus has conquered the ravages of sin in us. We will no longer be held by it. And because Jesus died and rose again from the dead, death could not hold him. The grave could not hold him. And he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. And because of that, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will never die, but will have eternal life. At the end of this service, I'm going to give an opportunity for some of you to respond, any of you who wants to respond. We will do our normal prayer thing for healing, and please, God, may God heal you, whatever ails you. But there will also, we will, after the last song or during the last song, we will pause to make, so that you can respond to that message, so that you know you have responded to that message. I'm going to invite you to come forward if you want to give your life to Jesus or recommit your life to Jesus. Or I had this picture, and I don't know whether it makes any sense, but I, I saw this morning when I was praying, my heart like the cave, like the tomb. And I could see that the stone had been rolled away a bit. 
So a bit of me was exposed to Jesus. And I was, you know, quite religious. But what Jesus wants to do is he wants to roll the stone right away so that you can walk out from death into life, from darkness into light, and walk scot-free so that all that is seen and unseen will know that you are a son of God or a daughter of God, that you are his and his alone. And whatever else life may throw at you, whatever challenges that you may have to address or go on addressing, the truth of the matter, your future destiny will be secured. Your place in heaven will be based not upon your good works and your attempt to live a righteous life or be a nice person, but because of what Jesus has done upon the cross. It won't be up to you. It'll be utterly and entirely up to him. And that's the message of Easter. That's the message of the cross. Yes, we have some great teaching, thank God. And look at that raggy old Bible of mine. And believe me, I've got several raggy old Bibles. I will always spend my time studying God's word because I want to know what he's like. I want to know what he thinks. I want to try and live and run an organization that looks a bit like him, so help me God. I will always pray for neighbors in the street because once in a blue moon, not every week, but once in a blue moon, something wonderful happens like my neighbor Bob. But the truth of the matter is, when all is said and done, it all boils down to not what I have done or I am doing or the study or the time or the effort or the boldness or the courageousness or the prayer, what I have done, it all boils down to Jesus who died upon the cross, who rose from the dead, and who lives and reigns in glory. And that's why we are bold to call ourselves Christians, followers of Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Why don't we all stand now? I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And I'm going to pray. Do you know, last service, I did this. And I did it because I've been praying this week and I really felt that God told me I should do it. And it was an agony, I'll be honest with you. I think uh, three, or four, three, three or four people came forward. God bless them. But it was an agony. I just wanted to run from the stage. I just didn't want the... the, the for some reason, I was really struggling with asking you to come forward. But I did it because I felt it was the right thing to do. And then a dear lady, one of our prophetic people, came up and encouraged me, didn't even know the struggle I was going through, but said, you know, I felt like God was saying this week that Chris should do what we call an altar call. And it's an opportunity for you to come forward just while we worship and to either give your life to Jesus for the first time or recommit. You know, we, I, 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 I effectively stopped being a Christian for about 10 years, from the age of about 16 through to about 26. Really, I mean, you would never have known. <laughs> and maybe that image of the, of the, of, of the tomb with the, with the stone opened a chink resonates with you. Maybe there's more work. Maybe, there's, maybe you need to allow God to throw it open so that you can walk scot-free and really live, truly live. Jesus said in John 10, 10, he says, I have come that you might have life, life in all its fullness, not just the semblance of life, not just there's a pulse, you know, but so much more than that. So Holy Spirit, would you come now?
for some of you, this is going to be a practical challenge because you, you actually think maybe you should come forward or you want to come forward or you choose to come forward, but actually you're in the middle of a row. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is going to be embarrassing. Listen, don't let embarrassment hold you back from heaven. Oh my gosh. Is that, would that be all that would stop you? A little momentary embarrassment? Jesus hung naked on a cross. Oh God, don't let that be. So for some of you, you're going to have to turn to a neighbor and say, excuse me, I, you know what, I, I'd like to go forward. It is Easter day after all. So I'm going to pray for you now to give you a little boldness to just, to just have the courage to come forward. And then I'm going to go down, we're going to sing a song, and then I'm going to come up and we'll wait another moment. But you might have to feel like you're, you know, don't have to face the congregation, face that way, but come and stand here for all. You know, just make that public statement that you're, you know, count me in Jesus. I'm going to stand so help me God walk with you in the future. Holy Spirit, would you just help people? Let nobody leave this place cursing themselves, saying, I should have gone forward, you idiot. You should have gone forward. Let no one do that. Let everyone come forward who should come forward. Who's going to be the first? Who's going to be the first to run to the mercy seat? To run to the mercy seat. Holy Spirit, I just thank you. Thank you. Just line up along the front here. This is a public gesture of something that's going on inside. You may not understand it all. You may have questions. You may have doubts. You may have fears. You may have anxieties. Your life might be in a mess. Or you may be on the top of the world and you don't need religion, do you? But whatever, you're going you're gonna to make that effort. You're going to say to your neighbor, excuse me, because today I am going to nail my colors to the mast. I'm going to come and just make a public statement of something I intend to try and do in the future. Now, folks, bless your heart. Ministry team, I, 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 just, I just want you to stay where you are just for a minute. We're going to sing a song together, and then I'm going to come up and deliver a lot, one last chance invitation bless all of you guys that have come forward already bless you thank you sam let's do this last song and then i'll come back up thank you